Father, we ask that you would just continue to guide and direct in our lives. Uh, we think of Steve and his uh, situation right now. Just pray that you would uh, help him find a, a new place to work. Pray you'd give him peace in the midst of all this. Um, bring his spirits up, and especially speaking of bringing spirits up, be with Mike and help him. This is, seems to be a, a very discouraging time, especially when you don't know what's going on. We know he had a test yesterday. We just pray that uh, the doctors would be able to identify what his issues are and problems and be able to address them. Pray you'd help him to feel better, help him to be able to eat uh, without uh, feeling nauseous and sick, and uh, pray that you would uh, continue to work in John's life and, and continue to heal him. Thank you for the, the good results that are, seem to be there right now, and just pray you'd continue to help his body to heal the salivary glands and his taste buds and all of the things that are necessary for him to come back online and help him to get the tube out so he'll be able to start eating on his own again. Again, we ask you your blessing in our time together as we study your word, as we look at uh, Samson, the life of Samson, and we finish up with this last portion of his life. I uh, pray you give us insights into knowing what's going on in his life and, and how that might apply to us and things we need to be concerned about ourselves. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so quick recap. We're, we've started chapter 16. Uh, the beginning of 16, uh, Samson goes down to visit a prostitute. Uh, the city is re- ready and willing and waiting for him uh, outside. They're going to capture him in the middle of the morning, or in the, the beginning of the morning when the gates open, in the middle of the night. Samson decides it's time to leave. Of course, you know, locked gates have never bothered Samson. It says that he tore the the gates and the posts and the bar out. He put them on his shoulder and carried them uh, from where he was at up up near to Hebron. Hebron is about 40 miles away, and uh, even if he didn't go the full 40, uh, he says he carried it to the top of a hill. And the distance is not only in, in the distance in length, 40 miles, but it's also 2,000 feet difference in elevation. So this is amazing. This is not some, you know, guy that's pumping iron. That's that. This is supernatural. It's got to be. So what yeah. were these uh, these plotters thinking that they were going to kill him? I mean, this is the guy that just killed 2,000 dudes with a jawbone, right? Hey, we, you know what? So sometimes hope springs eternal. Yes. <laughs> you know, we have, we all, we, uh, well, you know, there's six of us. We can take him. Yeah. He's, a, he's a scrawny guy, you know? Yeah, let's wait and think about it a little longer. Yeah. Well, again, and, and for me, the the part of that, that whole, this first part of the story in, in 16, Judges 16, is the fact that they're, how is it that he manages to pull out this gate and carry it away, and they're waiting for him? It's like, did, did they not see him? Did they not hear him? How could they miss? They probably the did and hung back. I mean, <laughs> look at him. He's ripped the gates <laughs> off. <laughs> they won't attack him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, this was your idea, Mo. You go first. We'll follow you. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it is kind of an interesting perspective as to how this all plays out. So then from there, we, we pick it up in verse 4, and let's just do this. Let's, um, 
brother. Before we jump in, let me ask you one thing. Sure. Why is, do you think, verse 1 is even in here? Why would the writer even say, yeah, he was down visiting a prostitute, go home. I mean, that's not a flattering or a noble activity. Um, well, I think, first of all, you got, you've got uh, Scripture. You know, the, the thing I love about Scripture is that it doesn't, it doesn't uh, sugarcoat anything. This is a guy that's not the best guy in the world. He's right. not the guy that you, you know, some... It's just some, to illustrate his character issues. I think to illustrate... And, and remember, what is his, one of his major problems is what? The lust of the eyes. Early on, when you know he's, he sees this wife, he wants his wife. He sees her. He sees the beauty of this woman, and that's what attracts him. And I'm sure that this prostitute is, I'm guessing, is is not a toothless old hag. She's a you know a, an attractive woman, I would think, or else you know he's just got a but major if, uh, problem. Prostitutes were living like um, Andrew talked about in service, Rahab. Living on the margins of society and poverty and probably squalor, you know, um, and he's dallying around there. I mean, it's just weird. Yeah, again, again, <laughs> we, you know, there are different, and, and we're not told what kind of prostitute this is. There are several types of prostitution that are taking place during this time. There is the prostitution where a woman is trying to get by from day to day and, and you know, make some kind of survive. So she's making, you know, money, maybe one of the few ways that she, in this society, thinks that she can do it. The other aspect of that is often the temples have prostitutes. And you are required, if you're going to worship your God appropriately, that uh, as a female, that you would spend uh, a... a Several a period of time each year as a temple prostitute. Now, whether or not anybody took advantage of that, I don't know. But you were there to uh, to pay your dues, if you will. Um, and uh, it, it was not necessarily your version for... of the everyone campaign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's your time. Wow. So, so nothing much. So, so apparently, according to according to Gary, nothing much changes. <laughs> nothing much changes. Right? There's women that so, that don't have any money. They're probably drug yeah. mostly. And there's people that are high end. I mean, yeah. Think of it. Think of it today. Like the difference between a, you know, a, a streetwalker and and somebody who's an escort, yeah. you know, who's who's well paid and and gets a you know. Is fairly well but off. That temple prostitution that was still going on in Corinth when Paul was yeah. there, right? I mean, this is not this is a, later, yeah, this is ongoing. It's not a you know it's been it was going on for years and and in some ways, in some ways we have that same sort of situation whether it's a woman or a man uh, who today will do something <clears throat> for uh, you know they they worship at the if you will, at the god of materialism. And, you know, so uh, often you'll have uh, folks that will be willing to do almost anything for the right amount of money. You know, it's like the old joke, you know, would you would you take a, a million dollars for me to sleep with you? Yes, well, sure, of course I would. Well, how about five? Well, well, you know, I'm offended. No, you're not offended. We're just negotiating. <laughs> You know, there reaches a point where it becomes a matter of what's 
at what point will you be willing to do it? At what point will you not be willing to do it? You know, uh, and, and we're all tempted in various ways. You know, I, I, you, you know my, my one story I told you back years ago, and I was out on a sales call, and um, I had uh, a, a lead from, a, uh, from one of my major suppliers at the time, and I, I go down to this, this place, I have no idea. It's just not making sense to me, the name of this place, or what it is, or where it's at, and it ends up being a strip club. Yes. <clears throat> and, uh, and it's a strip club that is, uh, that is just beginning to open. They're still in the process of, of uh, building it. And I have to go in and see this guy, and I'm going, oh man, you know, and then, after talking with him and trying to take care of him and try to get out of the the situation uh, nicely, I, I get offered, you know, their their T-shirt business, and it's the the money, just my my normal profit on on that business alone for the the three or four clubs that he had in Detroit was going to bring me about somewhere between fifty and $75,000 a year and with very little effort on my part. And I'm going, yeah, I, boy, we could really use an infusion of cash, but I'm just not comfortable, you know, selling to this. And he says, well, you know, I'll sweeten the pot. He says, you can also have my, my clubs in Toledo if this goes well. He's got another four or five clubs in Toledo. And I'm going... I think, good night, hundred to $150,000. Well, you know, it, it's easy to get tempted. The serpent was whispering in your ear. Well, of course it was, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, you know, you remember the story. I, to, I had called my mom and da- I had called my mom and dad. I called my wife before I went in. I called them after I left. And my dad's first words were, when I started telling him about the T-shirt, he says, "How much?" <laughs> <laughs> you get back in there. <laughs> I said, and of course, you know, he, he's going gulp, and he's going, "Yeah, no, we can't do that." I said, "You're right, we can't." You know, I turned him down. I, I gave him the name of a couple of other companies that would uh, that would do it because whoever they were using was ripping them off. They were making a fortune on these things. Yeah, I said, well, you're, just, you're overpaying for your, your stuff. But anyhow, that's a note. So it, temptation comes, and, you know, and it's, it's a matter of how much are you tempted? You know, and what are you willing to sacrifice in order to get your temptation, to get your fix? So anyhow, we're back now with 16, and we're going to pick it up in verse 4. And man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Uh, let's read through... Verse 21 to begin with, and, and we'll deal with that. So verse 4 through verse 21, pick it up at Denny's table, Dan's table, Gary's table, and our table. Okay, let's pick it up. Judges chapter 16, verse 4 through verse 21. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Zor, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him, so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. And Samson said to her, If they 
bound, if they bind me with seven fresh bra strings, not bow strings, I'm sorry, um, not yet dry, then I shall become weak and be like the, any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bow strings, not yet dry, and she bound him with it. With one hidden in the room, she calls again. Samson, those who are behind you, I snap the bow strings as easily as a piece of the string snaps when it comes close to a plane. So the secret of the strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, You lied to me. Made me look foolish. Please tell me the truth. How could someone tie you up? He said, if anyone ties me up, ties me securely with new robes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new robes and tied him with them. And then uh, with men hidden in the room, she, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off of his arms as if they were threads. Then Delilah said, you've been making, making fun of me and telling me lies. Now tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson replied, if you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric on your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, I would become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove the seven braids of his hair into the fabric. And, and tightened it with a pin. And again she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep and pulled up the pin in the loom with the fabric. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she cried him day after day until he was tired to death. Then he told her all of his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God for my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all hurt all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called her son to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so we began to subdue him and strength up him. And Delilah called out to him, Samson, the Philistine men are going to capture you. He woke up and thought, I will escape as I did before and free myself. But Samson did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. Yeah, let me just finish this last verse. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. All right, so we're back to, to verse 4. And we talked last week that, uh, again, a shekel is the equivalent of about a day's wage uh, at this time frame, especially a silver shekel. And uh, uh, you have people who are slaves are purchased, men are purchased for about 30 shekels, uh, women are uh, cost about 20 shekels and kids somewhere between 5 and 10 shekels if you were going to buy them as a slave. So for you to have uh, 
5,500 uh, 5, shekels is a huge amount. And we looked at last year, you know, last week, we looked at the fact that it's, if you do it in weight in today's measurements, it's about $55,000. But if you look at it from a day's wage and how much it would cost, how much you would make in a year, and you figured that out, and let's just put a, a, a small amount and say $25,000 was your yearly wage, then you're, you're looking at somewhere close to like $35 million is the, is the equivalent. Regardless, it's a huge amount of money. And, um, and it's interesting that she is, uh, she's willing to do so, that Delilah. Uh, interesting, again, Samson falls in love with her. And the fact that we see this valley of Sorek, uh, this valley is in the area of where the Philistines uh, ruled. So the chances are, we think, that, that Delilah was probably a Philistine. It would seem really unusual that, that an Israelite would choose to, to do this, but who knows? Um, when we get to heaven, we can ask someone. Maybe we can find out. Maybe Samson would tell us. I don't know. I'm not sure that Delilah will be there. Just saying. <laughs> Anyhow, so... Um, she decides that she wants to know his strength, and then she, uh, you notice there are a series of things that he gets tied up in. He, and sometimes, you know, we look at this, and I was talking to a few of you before we started today's lesson, and I said, you know, as a kid, I heard this story from a particular perspective, and I always, you know, thought of this happening within a very short period of time. I'm thinking this might have gone on for weeks. You know, at least days. It wasn't just oh, let's just keep trying it, and you know, and he and he keeps telling her, and then finally gives in. You know, in the last the last hour of his visit with her. The other thing I found interesting is the fact that it never says that the men came out it, of hiding. It, it does say that she said the Philistines are upon you, and he jumped up. And so you start wondering, well, how you know who in the world is willing to get tied up? Well, maybe there's a reason for that, and it's, maybe it's sexual. You know, maybe it's a t- maybe it's a game that they're trying to play. I don't know. And I can see where it'd be easy for a woman to say, "Hey, you know, let's let's try something," or a guy, as the case may be, if you're if you're adventurous. And maybe that's uh, maybe that's what's going on. We don't know. We're not told. But something happens, and she keeps asking him different questions. Notice that. He's, he, he's always playing around the edges. The first time he says, well, you know, it, bowstrings. These are bowstrings. These are like guts of the, you know, the ten, tendons, ligaments that they've strung together and made bowstrings out of. Well, they're, they're brand new. They haven't dried, which means they're freshly killed, which means that they are dead, which means that he is a Nazarite, which means that he shouldn't be touching dead things. This is a, again, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. He is still he is still skirting the edges of everything that you know of all the things of his vows. He continues to not be bothered by it. So the first time his bowstrings, yeah, they kind of yeah, that doesn't last very long. It seems kind of you know ridiculous to us, but I think that again he is playing a game with her, and he is. We know that he likes to play games. We know that he likes riddles. We know that he likes to skirt the edge of things. You know, he's the, the guy that plays fast and loose with the truth. You know, I've known pastors that were 
and, and men in general, that, you know, is how close to the edge can I come with telling the truth? You know, can I, can I straddle the fence? Um, I knew one pastor who was pastor of very large churches. He was a good friend of my parents. And uh, I loved him to death. I thought he was an awesome speaker. But he always had this way of, of working business situations that just were on the verge of being illegal, you know? <laughs> just, just right at that very edge, but always profitable for him and or for the church. And I'm going, you know, what kind of... How does that... How does that look to the the average person, you know, or to the the people you're dealing with? Are you really, are you honoring the name of Christ and God's reputation when you do those things? And so, you know, this is kind of my opinion of Samson. Is he's yeah, it's all right. It's not really, you know, I can do it. It doesn't really matter. The second attempt is kind of again, fresh ropes. I don't know what the deal is with the fresh ropes. These are probably. you know, uh, woven, and uh, they're they're new, and they're uh, um, I don't know if they're hemp or what they are. They're something that whatever uh, is out there in the way of reeds or uh, in that particular part of the world. Uh, we've already known that earlier the men of Judah had tied them up with new stru- with new ropes. We knew that wasn't going to hold them, and sure enough, when she calls out. He's able to break them. And then the third scene is kind of interesting. It's interesting from a couple perspectives. One, this is one of the few places in Scripture where in the oldest Hebrew uh, texts, it's badly damaged. You know, you're talking about papyrus or uh, uh, animal skins that these things are written on. And um, every once in a while, you know, it's not unusual We've all had areas where things get smudged or it's a little hard to tell. This one's is a little hard to tell what's going on here in this third reading. And so uh, scholars, even um, uh, Jewish scholars, uh, have restored what they think is the correct understanding of this, this third verses 13 and 14 by going to the Septuagint which is the Jewish translation roughly 200 years uh, into the, the period of the, the time of silence between the Old Testament and New Testament, 400 years during that time frame, about 200 years into that, uh, the Jews in Alexandria uh, translated the scripture from Hebrew into, into Greek. Uh, Greece was, Greek was the, uh, was the leading <coughs> Uh, language of the time. You'll remember that Alexander the Great conquers Egypt. He establishes a, uh, a city there known as Alexandria. It's probably one of the greatest places of learning in the known world at that time. They have a library that is, you know, that would that's probably even more extensive than the Library of Congress. Uh, and so uh, it, the, the story goes that 70 scholars uh, went into rooms separately and without conferring with each other, translated the, the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, came back and found out supposedly, this is a, probably an apocryphal story, supposedly they were absolutely identical, all 70 of them had translated it. We don't know if that's true or not, but regardless, there were 70 of them, which is the term for Sept, Septuagint, is 70 people uh, translated this. 
and so that's what happens in this particular case. So we know that in this particular instance, what is he doing? He's starting to get closer and closer to the truth. This is a loom that's probably, there are several kinds of looms uh, <clears throat> at this time frame. Most scholars think it's the larger one that, that sits uh, horizontally versus the vertical one. And uh, it's a heavy piece of wood. It's, there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's a heavy piece. And so he says, well, take my seven braids. By the way, that's not necessarily unusual, seven braids. At that time frame, think of three on each side of your head, one in the back. That's how you get your seven braids. Um, you know, I don't know if this was, uh, who knows if this is where the Sikhs got their idea of not shaving your head. I don't know. Sikhs, you know, uh, are a religion that's found primarily in India, although there are many Sikhs that are here in the United States. And the men uh, don't cut their hair or their beard. And they wear a turban, and one of the reasons they wear a turban is they tie their head up in a knot, and it's up on top of their head. So um, I don't know. They just a throw away. So there you go. So the third attempt, and she gets a little perturbed. You know, it says that she nags him in verse fifteen. She sixteen. She nags him and prods him from day to day. That's why, you know, as a kid, I'm thinking this is all happening pretty quick. No, this is going on for days, weeks, who knows, maybe months. She sees that money, and she is doing everything in her power to get it. And so finally Samson comes and tells the truth. It's interesting that this is the last of the things that he had not broken, his Nazarite vow. Early on we know that he had, he drank, and he touched dead animals. He's done that several times. And this is the last thing that has, that has kept him close to, to, in essence, keeping his vow. Uh, because from an outward appearance, this is the easy way to tell in Jewish society that he's a Nazarite. Is he hasn't cut his hair. Well, in general, the, the Torah said don't marry outside of um, your tribes too, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> don't intermarry with Canaanites. Oh, yeah. Don't <clears throat> intermarry with them. It's been, it's been told over and over again. Even in Deuteronomy it says that. So uh, three attempts... It failed. The last one, she says, okay, I got him this time. He's finally told me the truth. Again, I have a hard time believing that a guy's able to fall asleep. I mean, now, <laughs> and, and able to shave his head off, you know, shave, shave the hair off of his head while he's asleep. Although I have occasionally visited my dad uh, when he's been up all night and he f- will fall asleep in the middle of the day and you cannot wake him no matter what I do to him. He won't wake <laughs> up. He's that deep. So maybe that's maybe it's possible. I don't know. But regardless whether it's a God thing or whether it, she's um, he goes into a deep sleep or perhaps he's... Uh, maybe she drugged him. Maybe she drugged him. Yeah, that's a possibility. We're not told. All we know is that... Uh, all of these things, all of these ways that, that have been suggested are kind of superstitious. But it's interesting the Philistines immediately act on every one of them. Because why? Well, because they believe that Samson had some kind of magic. And if they could find a counteracting spell, they could break him and break the magic. And... And they're thinking, guess what happens? It does. Cut his hair, and, and suddenly the magic is gone. But they end up paying, paying her up front this time, too. 
Well, they bring the money. Yeah. They bring the money. So they're, they're convinced. She's apparently convinced them that I got it this time. You know, he made a fool out of me three times, but this time I got him. This time, it, you know, and, 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 and here's the, it says that he explains everything about. You know what that says? It says to me that this man knew what his vow was. His parents, and, and as he grown up and as he became a man, he understood what the vow of Nazarite was all about. He explained it all to her. It wasn't like he just said, oh, well, you know, it's just a passing thing. No, this is serious business, and he understands the spiritual implications of this. And guess what? He doesn't care. He's busy breaking the vows all over the place. The only thing he hasn't done is cut his hair. But all the other ones, yeah, so what? You ever notice that God sometimes tells you and you sometimes admit you will do certain things for God and then you kind of figure out ways to get around it? You ever made a promise to God not kept it or kept part of it but not all of it? I know none of you have ever done that. You know, when you're, you're in the midst of, a, of a, a situation where you're in the foxhole, oh, Lord, you know, if you'll just get me out of, what's the story? Dan, are you the one that shared this? You know, the guy's drowning. He's out in the middle of, I don't know, the ocean or whatever. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll commit my life to you for, you know, I'll tithe, whatever. I'll give you 100%. And then it gets a little closer to shore. Well, how about 50%? You know, <laughs> at 25, 10 Oh, that's all right. Thanks for getting me there, God. You know, by the time he's on shore, he totally forgets. And, and isn't that true of us? We have that tendency to... And Samson is going, you know what? My vow doesn't mean anything. Now, on the other side, I have to think of, if I'm Samson, think about the fact that God has chosen me and made me take a vow that I have to live with the rest of my life. I don't know, like maybe deciding that I'm going to follow Jesus. And I have to live with that the rest of my life? Really? Come on. Because I'm going to miss out on some good stuff, right? Miss out on wine, women, and song. (laughs) All the stuff I'm not supposed to have. I think Samson's problem with his vow is not so much that he he willfully violates it. It's simply that he just doesn't take it serious. He's not serious about it. And his strength and the people around him, it's all a toy for him to play with and for him to get his way with. And notice in verse... Uh, Versus this Nazarite thing was not his choosing. That's right. His parents did that. Right? Well, God did it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not something, a vow he made. It's just that that's the way he was raised. But he's kept it. Mm-hmm. Except for oh, kind of. except for breaking it whenever it was convenient, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of interesting. In verse 17, notice that no razor has ever been on my head because I have been a Nazarite set apart by and that word God there in the in the Hebrew is Yahweh. He doesn't even no, I'm sorry, it's not even Yahweh, it's Elohim. He does not even claim God's covenant name. He just refers to him God. And Elohim is a term that is used synonymously with all of the Canaanites often would refer to their God as as Elohim, as God. Think of it like uh, today, uh, I know that some of us get upset when we hear uh, the name Allah, uh, but Allah simply means what? God. Mm -hmm. And there are Arabic, 
Christians who refer to the God that we love and serve and follow as Allah because it's a generic name. <clears throat> so it, it's kind of, it, he, this is what he uses. He doesn't even refer to him. And he says, and he says eh, by the way, if you shave my head, I'll be, I'll be as anybody else. We know the Nazarite vows are found in number six. Uh, if you want to read about them, basically don't touch anything that's from the, from the grape, whether it's the vine, the seeds, the leaves, the, the, the juice, uh, the grape itself, nothing. Can't, can't have anything to do with it. He also can't touch dead things, and he's not supposed to shave his head. By the way, when you break your vow, what do you do? You shave your head, and that's what I thought about from this. Yeah. It's like, it gets to the point where he's finally shaved, and it switches vows, and he said, broke the vow, and now you need to do a sacrifice, which would, at that time was a burn offering, a, a peace offering, and then three offerings. Mm-hmm. And then they had to start the vow over again. Right. And then I was thinking, it looks like here, the vow is starting over again. Remember, remember Paul, when we studied Acts, he makes a vow and he goes to the, the temple. And what's he do at the temple? He shaves his head. He's made an Azerite vow. He's trying. He's to burn their hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of hair. stinky, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He took that hair that they shaved yep. and they had started the vow over again. <clears throat> If they were to take another Nazarite vow, they had to start it over again. And, and it's interesting, we get to the end of this passage we read, because it's almost as though there's a, a, a hint of hope, but his hair began to grow back. Yeah. And, uh, but before we get there, I, the thing, one of the things that I look at and I go, wow, how strange is this? The Philistines are upon you. And it says, and Samson, what does Samson think he's going to do? I'll get up and shake myself free like I've done every other time. There's a new reality. He doesn't even know it. The Lord has departed from him. Can you imagine? He has had the Lord with him, it would appear, most of his life as a Nazarite. Now, there have been times when it seems like the Lord has come upon him strongly. But he doesn't even know that he's no longer connected to God. How far down the path do we have to go before we realize we're no longer connected? We don't have that relationship we had. We've drifted away from God. We've, we've put him aside. We've neglected him. Now, he hasn't neglected us, but we've neglected him. And this is the story of his life. I'll just go out and shake myself free. I'll take care of this problem. It's not a big deal because why? It's all about me. Now, interesting, though, in his story, I just went back and read the beginning. Yeah. I don't see anywhere where it says Samson took a vow to be a Nazarite himself. I mean, his parents did when visited by the angel or the Lord, and they promised to, to do what the angel asked him to, but he never did. As far as I could... As far as we know, yeah, yeah. we said that he, the, 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 the angel of the Lord said he will be a Nazarite from his birth. Yep. Yeah, and so he's been consecrated to God. So I imagine they've told him all of his life. Now, maybe maybe, maybe that's part of it. Maybe he's pushing back. And maybe why but he felt so entitled and privileged he was special from birth or something. Very possible. 
<clears throat> very possible. There's a couple of interesting things. One, they blind the, the prisoners. And most evidence from Mesopotamia tells us this was a common practice of prisoners of war that they either had their, their eyes were gouged out or their tongues were removed. Didn't they cut off their toes or something too? Yeah, some, yeah in the Canaanite world, they would often cut off their toes and their thumbs because it's hard for you to hold a sword. It's hard for you to yeah, run. You can do a lot of thumb, you can hold from the right, If you had no toes or a thumb, you'd be pretty useless. Yeah, your balance and your can't hold a sword. Yep. You can't you can't fight, you can't stand, you don't have and you have terrible balance and you can't you can't fight. You know you, worse than death for those guys. <clears throat> pretty much. So they, they blind him, and then notice, where do they send him? Gaza. Why? We're going to speculate. We don't know. Why, why, why Gaza? There's five cities. Why Gaza? Is that where he killed all the guys with the... It's where he destroyed all the grain, yeah, and killed all the guys. Yeah, it was Gaza. He, he, you know, I think it, it, a little bit, this is Gaza saying, yeah, we want him... That's the guy we want. <laughs> right. You know? Kind of like a trophy. Yeah. For those that are under Yeah. And what do they put him doing? Grinding grain. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, but it comes down to it, when you're born into whatever you have, you still have a free will. And regardless if it was ordained by God, you still have a free will to choose what your choices and your directions are. Okay. And this whole point is, is that um, even if you're called into the ministry or, you know, Well, there are, there are seeds of I think the seeds of our destruction are are in er, you know, in each of us, right. you know, and and you know that sometimes often your greatest strength is also often your greatest weakness, because you rely on your strengths versus relying on God's strength. You know, oh, I got this, God. You don't have to worry about this. I know what to do in this situation. And the only reason why I bring this up, and I, I don't want to open this can too far, is I've gotten into real good discussions. This was ordained. He was predestined. Well, God doesn't make us to do bad. That's right. Or good. It's a free will choice that I have, regardless of what I've been born into, 
a king's family or it doesn't matter. I mean, I may have been blessed this or that, but I still have a choice. I have not been predestinated. I know where the beginning is and I know where the end is. Hopefully I'm getting on that train, going in the right direction. It's, it's interesting that there is a sense to which the providence of God is worked out regardless of what our free will is. And there's lots of ways of, of, you know, I've heard all kinds of descriptions of this, and I'm not sure that I understand that, that I think that any of them make exact sense other than, uh, you know, who is it? Um, oh, he's the, one of the great thinkers from the, oh, uh, from Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, Tozer. Tozer uh, described uh, the difference between sovereignty of man and the free will of, of sovereignty of God and the free will of man is like you're on a cruise ship and you have the free will to go wherever you want on the ship and do whatever you want on the ship, but it's always going to arrive at the same port that it was destined to go to. And so uh, you know, that's an interesting way of, of, of describing it. I've, I've said often that I, I view it like a, a river that we're in and the river has different tributaries and different branches and a delta at the end. And it all depends on the choices that we make. God has a plan for us, and God plans to work out his will in our lives regardless of how, uh, what we do, because he's still God. But he, get, he gives us free will, and sometimes our free will goes, yeah, well, okay, I can work with that. You know, and sometimes I end up having to go over a waterfall instead of going down the, the, the place where I can just float on the inner tube, you know, simply because, well, I made the wrong choice of which branch of the river I was going to go down. But I still got to the, the, to the point in the river where he wanted me to be. I just didn't apparently appreciate some of it. You know, it's like my, my, wife, my wife and my kids and I, when, years ago, we did the uh, Snake River in... Um, Part of it was a, a like basically just floating up, not on an inner tube. It was a big raft, but we're basically being like on a raft, on an inner tube. You know, you're just right. floating down that Snake River, just really enjoying it. We got, we stopped at lunchtime, and we got our uh, our uh, grilled sam. Or we they, I think they grilled steaks and chicken and so forth, the barbecue and a part. And then we, then my kids and I, we decided we would do the whitewater rafting part of the Snake River. So we did that. You know, and uh, and my wife, she just she met us at the other end. She was not interested in going on. Well, there are times, you know, she so she portaged, you know, and it was, and and she was nice and dry, and there was no nothing. We we were soaked when the time we got, you know, why? Well, because we'd been with white water rafting. Now we all ended up at the same point because she met us there. You know, she took a bus and we took a, you know, we, we took the white water rafting. It's like the those of us who went. To, uh, times out here Rick and I did uh, Israel a number of years ago and uh, <clears throat> Mount Arabel I said you know what I am not climbing down Mount Arabel it was hor- it was a horrible was very, steep. very steep and a lot of times they actually had uh, uh, iron or metal put into the rock yeah, they, to help they you put bars in there too. it was it was truly rock climbing with no yeah. ropes it was mm-hmm. really dumb and, and so, I've, I've seen those used in our national park, yeah, sure. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was the choice of, and, and I decided I would take the bus down and meet them at the bottom. Right. Yeah, we got the same. We got the same. We got the same place. You know, it's just that 
I was able to enjoy my ice cream long before they were. You know, so. <laughs> so anyhow, I just find it interesting that it, back on tra- track, God allows us to make choices, but he, does, he, he also man, man, makes sure that his will is accomplished. And I don't quite understand it. And at the end of the day, but you think I don't have to But you think it's fundamental to the whole new covenant. If there's no freedom, then there's no personal responsibility. There's no need for grace. There's no need for Jesus. Right. I mean, it, it just yet, all unravels if, if we're just automatons doing a predestined uh, yeah. bunch of activities. And so, yet yeah. Romans is very clear in telling us there's a whole series, you know, the, the, those he foreknew, he predestined, da 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 And so there's a... There's a there are good arguments on both sides, and what I would, what I keep telling you guys is I believe that both of those are absolutely one hundred percent true. There's absolutely no thing, uh, nothing wrong with either of them. There are two tracks that run through Scripture. How they they figure out, I don't know. I'm not smart enough apparently to figure it out. My my thinking at the moment has been over the last few years is that they're like rubber bands. They're connected to each other. When you, when you pull on one, it tugs on the other. When you pull on the other, it tugs on... The, so either way it's pulling, they're, they're parallel, and they're running through Scripture, and it says, you know, there, there's a... One old pr- preacher used to say, when you get to heaven, it'll say uh, on the door post, it says, as you're going through, whosoever will. And when you turn around and you look at it as you're inside and you look back on it, it says, welcome my, my beloved, my chosen. Uh, I don't know that I have to understand it as much as I just have to say, well, both seem to run through scripture. Both are true. And at this point, I'm pretty sure it's above my pay grade to figure it out. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> We're going to get there. One more time, guys. One more time. Hey, you know, and, 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 he's, and we get there, he says, you know, I want revenge. One more time. <laughs> give me revenge. One more time, guys. It isn't about Israel. It isn't about taking care of the Philistines. It isn't about saving my people. It's all about my reputation. You know, let me let me die with these, these monsters, you know. <laughs> So, yeah, so it's kind of interesting, again, this Samson's, you know, why did they take Samson to Gaza? I don't know. I think that part, one of the reasons, perhaps, they, they were, maybe they thought the Israelites would, would rescue him. I can't believe that. I think the most logical is that Gaza was the place he did the most damage, and that's, they wanted him. Now, the other thing that's interesting is, they put him to grinding grain. Now, it's interesting that, again, as a kid, I saw flannel graphs, which, and it was the story of Samson. And I can remember seeing Samson at a big wheel, you know, and pushing it. Or, and, and it was supposedly the things that, that either a donkey or slaves would, would do. The problem is that as, as archaeologists have studied and historians have studied, they found that that type of grinding of grain didn't happen until after the Old Testament. It was during that 400 years of silence is when they finally got around to that. So what they actually did is they had hand uh, uh, mills. And, the, and it was still hard work, and it was either done by slaves, by women, or by children. And, the more, and if you were in prison, that was one of the things you did is you ground grain. 
And it was, uh, and remember, we, we read earlier in Judges, remember it was Abimelech. How does Abimelech die? Anybody remember? And you see, this has really made a major impact in your life. Well, you know. I do like the one pastor that I know that he got halfway through Romans, and I came to visit him a couple of years later, and he was starting back at chapter 1. I'm going, did you finish the book? He says, no. I decided they didn't understand it, so they needed to hear it again. (laughs) I'm thinking, no, you just didn't want to prepare anything for the the next couple of years. Abimelech dies when a woman throws a millstone on top of his head and crushes him. It's the same kind of millstone. It's heavy, it's 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 kind of semi portable, but I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to carry it around. But it, it's it's capable of being used. There's two stones. You know, one's hard, the other one's a little not as hard, but they grind the grain together like this, you know, and so he's he is busy put to to that purpose. All right. So we're Tent peg in the head. That was one. Of them. Man, we're uh, <laughs> we're not going to make it to the end. Okay, so let's just let's just kind of wrap up a little bit of this, and then we'll finish up the rest of sixteen next week, and then we will go into uh, seventeen as well. Uh, we'll do the intro from seventeen to the end of this of this book is a whole different perspective. The first perspective we've had is the judges, the, the people that have ruled over the nation of Israel. Now we're going to look at some, we're going to do a little deeper dive into the lives of the actual people of Israel over the last four books, four chapters, excuse me, of Judges. And uh, so in Samson, though, we have a, a man who is, who is uh, bound and determined to do it his way. He loves to, to skate as close to the edge as possible without trying to get burned and eventually he does get burned and, and God is it's interesting God will not be mocked whatever you sow you're going to reap and so it is with 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 Samson is he reaps uh, what he's sown uh, and he his his uh, hair is shorn the best part of this whole thing is verse 22 of this particular portion we've studied today but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. You know, God is a God of second chances. God doesn't give up on you. God will is long-suffering. He's a lot more long-suffering than I am. You know, I, I'm willing to throw in the towel a lot, lot, long before God is willing to throw in the towel. And the good thing about that is that He's willing to lo- to wait. He's willing to wait for me to turn around and come back to him. But the consequences, you know, Samson, we're going to find at the end of this story, Samson prays and asks for strength one more time. But does Samson get his, uh, does Samson have to pay for his, his pride, for his sin of lust of the eyes? What, what, what gets gouged out? <laughs> What's his problem? What's his, one of his major problems? Lust of the eyes? Do you think yeah, Samson... Going in John 2, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you think Samson's story is pretty much analogous of Israel itself? I mean, yeah. The ups and downs and yeah. rejecting and always coming back. I mean, they're not behind him. They're, like, waiting for him to do it. So it just tells you how much sin was in the camp. 
Well, you know, it, it, we're really comfortable living under the Philistines. We don't need to bother them. They'll bother, they won't bother us. We'll just pay them the tribute, you know, that they need, the, their taxes. That's fine. But, you know, we don't want to irritate them, get them upset. Even though God said this is our land. Yeah, and uh, by the way, I want you to throw these, you know, these evil people out, these uncircumcised dogs. I want you to throw them out of the land. But no, no, it's okay. We'll live with They're them. Not yeah. You ever notice that? You know, I, I'm always amazed. I was I was really amazed. I I know a person that went to jail, and uh, they came out of jail and they said, "You know, why the people in jail? They're they're really good people. They they just did something wrong." I'm going, "Yeah, that's why in jail. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, but they're really good people." I, I even knew some of them. Yeah, because your lifestyle is what puts you in jail in the first place, you know. <laughs> but they're really, they're just kind of misunderstood. Yeah, no, they misunderstood the law. You know? <laughs> they broke the law. That's why they're paying the penalty of being in jail. Well, you just don't, yeah, I do understand. And somebody else is not understanding. <laughs> it's like we have a young guy in our family who's a new prison guard it's his job Mm -hmm. and he's running into some of his friends from high school (laughs) not other guards but inmates oh Oh. how you were doing (laughs) so that's a tough ministry yeah i got a friend of mine that that's what he does he's part of the the group of warfare and he you know once a week he goes in and Will you accept the charges? What did I speak your prison ministry? Whatever happened? Uh, Dan? Dan Burger. I don't know. Uh, he, you know, he when he I was. I talked to him once or twice. Yeah. In the last few years, but he's still going to. No, no, they're not coming to. I can't remember where I ran it. He from. was, you know, he, I don't know. I was involved heavily yeah. with that prison thing with him, so I can I can go in with the guy. With the, min- the ministry is still going. It, someone else is taking yeah, it over. What's his name, uh, I don't remember who's taking it over in the prison more, ministry, but I, think, I thought. It was but people are. Um, <clears throat> sometimes we we need to. Well, we just need to pray for. You know, when you think of him, pray for him. You know, he's he's got a tough situation. His family life is. Yeah. You know, with his kids and grandkids are, are living with him, Ill, and his right? wife is incredible. Was incredibly ill. Oh, yeah. I sat with him one time when she was having a valve replaced. That was it for the. Yeah, she had, yeah, all kinds of stuff. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Thank you for the life lessons we learned from Samson, and thank you, Father, for the fact that uh, you don't simply desert us; that we desert you, but you are always there, waiting for us to return to you. Thank you for loving us and caring for us, even when there are times when your discipline is something we don't particularly care for. We struggle with uh, the whole idea of the free will of man and the sovereignty of God, and yet we know that you are a God who loves us and cares for us. And for those who have uh, come into your family, uh, you protect us. 
and uh, you love us and care for us. And your goal for us is to ultimately become like Christ. Sometimes the way that that happens is not overly pleasant. We know that you are, you love us and care for us, and ultimately the goal is for us to be conformed to your son's image. So help us this day, Father, to follow you closely, to live in a way that brings honor and glory to you versus uh, causes you uh, your reputation to uh, sustain a hit here in this area. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.